This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds and Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how inadequate data may be impacting your used vehicle department at reyrey.com slash used cars. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y.com slash used dash cars. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year automotive news digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, December 26, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Kelman Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, we continue our series of year-end conversations with a look at another big year for Tesla, which sparked an EV price war. They really set the pace and everybody's had to follow them, cut prices, lease deal, promotions. You know, Tesla saw the writing on the wall and they're kind of keeping up. Jamie talks with Lawrence Iliff, reporter covering Tesla in Silicon Valley for Automotive News. Lonnie Iliff, welcome back to Daily Drive. It's great to be here. So, you know, we track uh, Tesla, we track the EV sales, you track the EV sales and new vehicle registrations for us each month. And, you know, Tesla has maybe lost some ground uh, as more competitors have come in, but really growing fast and really putting a lot of pressure on the incumbent automakers with their steady price cuts over the past year or so. What's been the strategy there and how's it played out? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, at the beginning of the year, January, mid-January, they just slash prices. And, you know, Elon Musk said, we look at real-time data every week. I get a report and I know how many cars we're making, how many cars we're selling. And, you know, they worked. I just saw a report from uh, Cox that said that the average price cut on the Y and the 3 over the last 12 months is $16,600 plus they're they newly qualify for the $7,500 tax cut. Plus they have lease deals and they have inventory cars that are cheaper than if you custom build them. And he, they saw the writing on the wall that the market was going to slow down, that they had to push down from luxury into a more mainstream segment. You know, these cars, if you, if you're able to like do all the math and get everything, you know, they're $40,000 cars, you know, $30,000 cars for the sedan. And that's a good deal. And I think that they put so much pressure on, you know, Ford and these other brands because Tesla said we're not going to lose market share or not lose as much, not lose too much market share. They're about 56% according to our latest data. And, you know, they really set the pace and everybody's had to follow them, cut prices, lease deal, promotions. That same Cox report said that incentives on EVs are about 10% versus 5% for non-EVs. So, you know, Tesla saw the writing on the wall and they're kind of keeping up. Although I would note just lastly that in October, their registration gain for the month of October was only 6.9%. So they're also slowing down. Mm-hmm. Well, part of that, they've had the same four models available for sale for uh, a while now, but now they're come finally long awaited fifth model, the Cybertruck. Lots of excitement, a lot of hype around that. I saw one in a showroom in New York and everybody who walked by had to stop and, and gawk at it. Yeah, you know, I, I follow social media and I'm here in California where we're, we're used to Tesla. We're used to the, the, the craziness of all that. And 
I see people say, oh, it looks like a garbage truck. It looks like an armored personnel carrier. And that's the point. It's supposed to look some like something weird. It's supposed to look like something industrial. It's supposed to look like something out of a sci-fi movie. And it really is crazy and wild. And, uh, you know, we have a story coming out on all the technology in it. So it's not just a weird stainless steel pickup truck that most of America is going to find atrocious. It has, you know, 48 volt electrical architecture. It has rear wheel steering. It has steer by wire. Not all those are completely new to the industry, but they're new in the sense that Tesla's going all in on all these technologies. It's not just a model here or a model there. We're kind of like checking it out. You know, they've really made a decision. And so I think it's interesting that they're building the Cybertruck before the $25,000 EV or whatever. I think that's also them looking at the writing on the wall and saying, you know, maybe the $25,000 car or whatever, 30000 whatever it ends up being, is better for 2025 or 2026. And now we're going to have this, you know, the top ones are like $120,000 for the Founders Edition that they're delivering right now. So they're delivering the 125,000 Founders Edition with three motors and $100,000 Founders Edition with two motors. And one thing I find really interesting about the Cybertruck debate is Ford just announced that they're cutting F-150 Lightning production from $150,000 a year to $75,000 a year. Which brings up the possibility that the Cybertruck outsells the Ford F-150 Lightning next year if they can make enough of them. So I think that if you roll your eyes at the Cybertruck, you might be missing the point. Yeah, I think you're, you're exactly right. They've been clear. It's not trying to be like every other truck. And in fact, if it flops, uh, Elon Musk has said, you know, we can just turn around and make it look like all the other trucks. You know, like, no big deal. But, you know, why not try something different? Uh, and really stand out and find those customers who aren't even in the pickup market right now. And it's interesting. I'm, it's not like official or anything, but if you look at what some people imagine the $25,000, $30,000 car, it might have those angular designs and stuff of the Cybertruck. It might have all that technology. So this isn't just like, I'm going to do this weird thing. It's going to flop. I'm going to lose a lot of money. There's a strategy here of doing a halo vehicle, something really cool, wild. It's going to sell. It's just going to sell for two or three years or whatever. And then that technology is going to find its way into the next vehicle. So in the non-Tesla world of U.S. automaking uh, here in Detroit, uh, of course, there was a lot of emphasis on the UAW talks this year, lengthy, unusual strike strategy against the Detroit 3 uh, led to record contracts, or maybe it was the macro economy that led to the record contracts, but they, they got record contracts. And now the UAW is going after uh, the other automakers in the U.S., and Tesla has got to be at the top of their list. What's the thinking about the UAW at Tesla, and do they have any chance of organizing these workers? You know, from what I've read and everything, it sounds like it's going to be really hard. And listening to Musk, it sounds like he doesn't want it to happen, right? And he has a lot of levers that he can pull, you know, stock options, just kind of giving people a lot of bonuses and stuff. I mean, Tesla's valuation is this, is equal to like all the other automakers in the world, right? And so there's a lot of things that he can do to keep the UAW out. And especially, uh, obviously, 
you know, I don't want to go into his politics or anything, but he's becoming very strident, you know, in terms of his views. And he really is willing to, he's shown that he's willing to lose money and alienate people to get what he wants to say what he wants. And so my gut feeling is that it's going to be a really difficult struggle. And I know that the, the UAW is on, on kind of a sugar high here you know, with the way things went and, you know, uh, good, good for them. Right. But they do have an incredibly long history of corruption. They have a lot of internal problems. And I'm not sure one guy is going to fix that and make like everybody else in the industry, including, you know, Tesla say, well, oh, maybe, you know, maybe we should do this. I don't think that I think it's possible, but it's going to be really, really hard. Coming up more about Tesla's year in 2023 and Jamie and Lonnie talk about other EV startups, including Lucid and Rivian. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses. No more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Lack of inventory, increased auction fees, and a volatile market means stocking your lot can be challenging these days. To be successful, you have to move fast. You need to make decisions quickly at auction. You need to inspect trade-ins and decide on an offer that will benefit you without slowing down the sales process. You need to appraise and price vehicles with the most up-to-date information possible in a market that can change quickly. But the data you rely on to make these decisions could be holding you back. How often do you find yourself manually filtering through comps because there are outliers that don't match the vehicle you're appraising? When unexpected mechanical issues come up, how much time do you have to spend looking back through comps to reprice the vehicle and determine if the reconditioning costs are worth it? How long do you spend searching through individual auction and third-party websites for the inventory you need? These problems affect the entire used vehicle process from acquisition to appraisal to merchandising. Visit rayray.com slash used cars to explore how old and irrelevant vehicle information may be holding you back and discover how to make improvements for faster, more accurate, and more profitable decisions. That's rey.com slash used dash cars. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. We're listening to my conversation with Lawrence Iliff, who covers Tesla and Silicon Valley for us at Automotive News. Here's more of our conversation about the biggest stories he covered in 2023. You know, it's the contrast is interesting in that, uh, you know, Tesla is very independent, you know, very 
clean slate, you know, a, a wholly unlike any other automaker that came before it. And yet we have one of the biggest stories of the year was Tesla choosing to partner with the biggest incumbents uh, to share their coveted charging network starting in 2025 and going forward. That seems like that was such an amazing development. How, what does that mean for Tesla going forward? You know, I think this is kind of the wildest story of the year. I mean, the Cybertruck is wild, but this is wild. You have this, you know, first class charging uh, infrastructure. Everybody loves it. It's a great reason to buy a Tesla. Everybody says, don't buy an EV if you're going to road trip unless you buy a Tesla. And I've talked to people, oh yeah, I road trip with my Tesla, but we also have another EV and we really can't road trip it. It's too much. And so they had to open up some of the superchargers, a small number, in order to get the subsidies from the government, right? To build chargers and, and get a portion of that. But they just chose, they just volunteered to open up the majority of their superchargers to everybody else and give away this thing. I mean, I know that there are people who think it's brilliant and Wall Street says it's going to be, you know, $3 billion asset or something in the future. It's going to be the fueling station of America and all this type of thing. But it's also going to mean that, you know, you can go out and buy a Ford or a, or a Hyundai or whatever you want, and you're going to have that charging infrastructure. It's really giving up a big piece of the Tesla mode. And, you know, I don't know why he's doing it. He says it's too. I mean, there's a good theory out there that says that more EVs means more Tesla EVs, right? Make everybody want an EV, make EVs easy, make them normalize EVs, and then we'll get our share. So, you know, maybe that's it. You know, you go back to the original master plan, right? And it was to wean society off of carbon, you know, and, and he talked a lot in those early days about the importance of, of showing a path for the industry and then bringing the rest of the industry along with them. There was kind of a period there in between where it was like, screw you guys. I don't, <laughs> like, I'm just going to destroy you all. I'm going to eat all your lunches. Uh, and so the, I would, that was the, what made this development such a surprise to me, the announcements with Ford and GM and, and then eventually almost everybody. You know, something I, I'm amazed at like how future forward they always are looking, right? Some people would say, we're giving up this incredible asset. Don't do it. Don't do it. And yet, you know, we're also getting to the point where there's some saturation in the EV market and people are like, oh, I don't know and stuff. And so this is kind of a brilliant way to say, no, I'm looking down the road and I'm going to open up all this. Everybody's going to want an EV. Everybody's going to love EV. And we're going to compete against them, you know, very aggressively. And we're going to get our share. I mean, it's not that the kind of short term thinking that we see sometimes from a lot of companies in the auto industry and in other industries. It's really much part of the master plan, like you said, a much bigger plan. And I think it's it's brilliant. I think it's risky, but it's brilliant. But that's kind of the definition of Tesla. Well, we could talk about Tesla all day, but you do cover a couple of other interesting companies. I want to make sure we touch on them. Uh, Lucid has been one, of course, led by Peter Rawlinson, former Tesla executive. It's really has some struggles. Great technology, beautiful cars, but not working as a business at this point. 
Yeah, you know, I remember speaking with Peter Rawlinson, you know, before the cars came out and everything. And I said, really, a sedan? You know, a big sedan? Does anybody drive a big sedan? I'm not sure on my block there is a big sedan or in my neighborhood there's a big sedan. And this is California where people love, you know, sedans and they love EVs. And I think that, you know, this is an idea that they all that they had a long time ago. And I think, you know, they're not the only company that was wedded to this concept and they couldn't fund it and they couldn't fund it and they couldn't fund it. And then they funded it. But by that time, the world had changed. Right. And so they went ahead with this and, you know, their sales are down, you know, year over year. And I think they're they're cutting prices and they have a lot of promotions and they have great technology. They're looking for other people to partner with. They're partnering with Aston Martin. They say that they're interested in partnering with other people and they're waiting for the crossover and they just lost their CFO. Right. And I think, you know, just like with some of these other startups, the thing is how long do they have before they run out of money? And in that time, can they become a bigger automaker? And the gravity, they just showed it uh, in November in Los Angeles, a very a lot of excitement around that, uh, that gravity crossover. Uh, I think they call it an SUV. We at Automotive News would call it a crossover. Uh, but that could open up some new markets for them if there are enough high-end buyers. It seems like that's been another really evolution of the EV market when Tesla first came out with the Model S and later the X. Um, you know, there were a handful of, of wealthy people who were eager to try the new technology. They could start there and then Tesla could work their way down. Not sure there's a lot of those high-end buyers still out there just waiting for an EV, uh, you know, whether it's a F-150 Lightning or a, or a Lucid Gravity. I thought it was very interesting that they led with the price, right? That they led with the under $80,000, whatever that means, Right. You know, that's an estimate and it doesn't include, you know, destination or whatever. But I think that they are trying to become more of a mainstream luxury car maker, right? Where $80,000 for Mercedes or BMW is like not outrageous. That doesn't, you know, explode your brain. When they came out with the Air and it was $170,000 for the limited dream edition, they got a reputation for being, you know, supercar prices or whatever. Maybe not supercar, but, you know. But I mean, very high prices. And I think that was a mistake. And I think now they're trying to change their reputation as Mercedes, BMW. They're trying to get in there. And then eventually they don't talk about it very much, but they are working on, you know, $40,000, $50,000 cars in the future. Question is, can they get there? Yeah. Okay. And then the last one I want to touch on is uh, Rivian, kind of a company in a in a different trajectory. You know, they had seemed to really struggle to get out of the blocks and now they're kind of clicking. Yeah, I think it's really I think it's really interesting, you know, they they couldn't make enough of them. They had a lot of pre-orders. People were waiting. You know the COVID story. That's not unique to Rivian, but it's hard when you're a startup and you can't generate volume because then they say, "How much money did you spend and how many cars did you make?" "Oh, you're losing $300,000 a car." That becomes the narrative. Now they're doing a lot better. You know, those numbers have come down. And what I find interesting is the R1T actually in our, you know, 10 month uh, registration data, it's actually down year on year. So I wonder if, you know, that market for that electric pickup is getting a little saturated. Their R1S crossover, that's the success story right now. It's going gangbusters. It's doing very well. 
And then they have their commercial vans, right? That they make for Amazon. And they opened up that contract. They can make commercial vans for other people. They have some good positives to go with, you know, the cash burn and maybe the the R1T pickup, you know, flattening out. But they have like good news going on, whereas Lucid doesn't seem to have too much good news or Fisker or Vinfast or some of these other brands. You know, they haven't become good news brands yet. And Rivian kind of has. All right. Well, we'll see uh, whose news is good in 2024. We'll be watching your coverage and uh, looking forward to it. Lonnie, thanks so much for joining me again today. Thank you very much. Good to be here. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on Tesla, EV startups, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a broader look at the year electric vehicles had in 2023 with automotive news reporter Hannah Lutz. On the consumer side, I've seen many surveys that say EV consideration is high, like above 50%. It's it's high. What stops the consumers is at point of sale when they ask the questions like what their daily life would be when they own an EV and it, it can be complicated. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 